This is New Mommy at 40 podcast, a honest, informative, and non-judgmental podcast for those navigating to and through parenthood in their 40s. Today, we're talking about finding balance and expanding your family as a single mom with host of Badass Moms and Super Busy Mommy Coach, Nicole Cruz. We'll be covering a lot of topics from wellness, mental health, dating, and overcoming heartbreak. And I hope you enjoy this episode and get something out of it. So without further ado, let's get started. It didn't happen in my 20s. Who cares? Now I've got all this fancy wisdom. Hey, I've got this baby, you're getting the best of me Cause I'm a new mommy, I'm 40 (laughs) Nicole Cruz is the host of Badass Moms Podcast and the Super Busy Mommy Coach She's a fitness and holistic health coach committed to providing fitness and nutrition programs for busy mommies to get in the best shape of their lives. She works with single parents to optimize their minds and bodies so they can be at their peak and handle whatever life throws at them. Let's welcome Nicole. So how how did this podcast come about? Sure. So in addition to the work that, um, you know, we were introduced through one of my colleagues, wonderful man, by the way, <laughs> happens to be my hubby. I just feel now like you're my friend. <laughs> but yes, we met through Desi. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, we met through like our workplace. But besides that, I have a background in holistic health and fitness. And over the years, I've specialized in resilience and applied that to single parents. That's kind of how that career has evolved. Um, And so the podcast grew out of that because one of the what what kicked off that sort of journey for me was um, solving the problem of how busy parents, um, moms in particular, Um, at the time who are constantly interrupted, don't have any kid free time. How do they fit in fitness, which is more than beach bods, you know, fitness is important for our physical health, our longevity, our immunity, and our energy levels, and also our mental health, you know, coping through hard times. And so it started with that. Like, how do how do we make this important element of physical and mental health actually work under those conditions? And then around the same time is when my husband left. And so I was so grateful that I figured this out because I am confident that if I didn't have the background I have in holistic health, fitness, and at the time I already had a, a well-established mindfulness practice, which I've, I, dove, I dove deeper into that over the years. But if I didn't have that, I'm confident that I would have gone into a downward spiral and I wouldn't have been able to get through that situation to navigate it in a healthy way. Um, he left two months after I lost my brother, my only sibling, and then, you know, when when the owners of a business divorce, that doesn't end well for the business. So um, shortly after, I was also dealing with the financial fallout of a failing business and all the changes that that brought about in my life. Um, and if I couldn't stay at the top of my game physically and mentally, as far as keeping my you know energy levels up with little sleep, with an, you know, an infant who was waking me up all night and adjusting to this new life and 
you know, like I couldn't, I, I couldn't get sick at the time I was able to just pick up a temp job. I, I wouldn't get paid, you know, um, all those complications. If I didn't have this, it would have been bad. And I realized that most people going through what I went through don't have that benefit. And so I became really passionate about sharing the methods that I used for myself and making sure that parents knew that there was this option, you know, like I don't preach or try to force it on people. I get that for some people, they're just not interested in worrying about workouts when they're going through hard times. But for a lot of us, that's one of our main or our main coping mechanism. And it's devastating when you don't have that. And so it, it started there. But let me ask you, I mean, because there are a lot of people who have the background that you have, but when they are, they find themselves in the situation that you are in, it's really hard to follow your own advice. So what was it for you in the morning that got you up to even dig deep into your own toolkit and, and say, I'm going to use these tools now? There are so many levels to that question. So I'll start with acknowledging that I already had this as an established part of my life and I knew how I felt when I stuck with it and when I did it. And Mm -hmm. so that was motivation enough for me. I knew how I would feel in the first half of my day if I pressed snooze that extra time versus if I got out of bed and did my five minute morning warm up to get the blood flowing. Um, If you don't already have that established practice, then it might not be the same. So then the other layer to that practice, how do you get someone in that situation who maybe doesn't feel the benefits and the consequences based on what they do when they get out of bed that morning, based on what they eat? Like for me, it's immediate. Like mm. I feel it right away. So yeah. it's, it's, that's a strong motivator um, for people who don't have that established yet. I think it's important to get them to the point where they feel it and starting it, this is where it gets really nerdy and strategic, which I oh, give it to absolutely us. love. Yeah. yeah well, Cause you have to think like, what is the smallest, least intimidating action step I can give somebody based on their unique, you know, interest, situation, background, experience, et cetera, that will get them feeling the benefits enough. It can't just be like, you know, knowing there's a benefit, you, you have to physically feel the difference when you mm-hmm. do it or not feeling the difference enough that they become intrinsically motivated to do it, but not only to do it to then start adding more. Mm-hmm. So it has to provide enough of a benefit and some relief, right? So for example, if you add in physical activity to increase energy, if you start with, okay, we're going to do an hour a day, like, first of all, no one, no, no single parent or parent with little kids in general is going to find an uninterrupted hour unless they have a lot of support. Yeah, Um, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. (laughs) It's impossible. And then also when you first start, you feel like crap when you're working out. You don't feel the benefits at first. It takes a little bit for that to kick in, right? So what's the smallest thing? Usually it's a minute of jumping jacks is in the morning. As soon as you get out of bed, it's enough to give, um, first of all, (laughs) you have to be motivated in in a good enough mental space to psych yourself up enough to get out of bed and do a minute of jumping jacks before you start your day. And I'll get to if you're not in that place in a moment. Yes. <laughs> um, but, you know, like if you can do just one minute, if you can tell yourself, you know what, I might feel like crap doing this, but it'll be over in a minute. 
and I'm just going to do it. If you can get yourself to that place, usually you get enough of a boost from that, if not the first day, within the first few days, that you notice the difference and you're motivated to stick with it. And a lot of my clients will then be like, oh, yeah. And then, you know, I stopped and I was like, I could do another minute. And so I did another minute, you know, because it's one like, minute. Why not? Like, I'm already here. Let's just keep going. Yeah, exactly. So it creates enough of that energy boost, the, the endorphins start flowing, the momentum, a little boost in mental clarity, as opposed to that morning fogginess, that it, it's enough to kind of start that snowball effect. And then you add to it from there. And eventually you have a regimen that doesn't look like any sort of regimen you would see in a textbook, but that is equivalent as far as the results it gets you. And it's equivalent on a scientific level of what movement and movement habits are required in order to get results as opposed to like let's start with like textbook science and then package it into like this this block of time called a workout and then tell everyone to mold their lives around it like right. it doesn't have to be that way if you start with the situation and apply the science to it i'm i'm ranting now um no I no <laughs> i did promise to say what to do if you can't even psych yourself up for that like 30 seconds or a minute um, and that's where I like to start with adaptogens and nootropics. Adaptogens are herbal supplements. They're all natural. They're healthy for you. Um, and they combat the physical and mental effects of stress. Okay. Um, and so starting with that, there are energizing ones. There are relaxing ones. There are ones that provide a calming energy, right? So, so you have to experiment to figure out exactly what your body needs um, and there are ways to do that. But when you get that boost of energy or when you alleviate the anxiety enough that you have some mental space to take on something else, that, that tends to be what gets my clients over that initial hump to mm -hmm. be able to start taking action when they're in that like rock bottom place. Yeah. And it's an interesting I mean, it's I guess it's a concept that we all know, like if you can physically get yourself moving, other things start to kind of follow in, in the direction of positivity and getting yourself out of those places of darkness. But on an emotional stance, I'm thinking I, I have been through a divorce, but I didn't have a child. And that was complex enough. And you're right. I do remember throwing myself into physical activity I think that's when I had my first gym membership myself I just felt like I needed to run somewhere I wasn't good at running outside so I thought okay a treadmill that's what I need or something to walk it out but it must get complicated when you have a like a little newborn looking at you or an infant looking at you and you just didn't think you were going to be doing this solo what what was that moment for you when you realized hey it's you and me, kid. It's, it was terrifying. Honestly, when it sunk in for me that I was going to be a single parent, I was terrified. And a big part of that is the narrative around single parenthood, right? You know, it's, well, life is a pile of hardship and misery. And when you can find a spare moment and you're not running on four minutes of sleep, you spend it crying about not having a husband, right? Like that's the <laughs> narrative around being a single mom. Um, at the time, I didn't have any single moms in my like circle of 
you know, family or close friends that I would confide in or have, you know, deep conversations with. Um, and so that, that was it. That was what was in my head. And that's actually another thing I'm really passionate about with the work I do, like putting it out there, like you can thrive as a single mom and yeah. enjoy your life. And, you know, like even like if you choose to get married again or not, whatever like your choice is, you can still enjoy and cherish the years in between. You right. Know? Right. And still enjoy motherhood. I mean, I, I would imagine from other I've had other single moms by choice, actually, with when it came to having uh, their ch- their children, they hope that at some point that would lead them to a great partner, but they were looking at the tick, tick, tick of the clock and thinking like, you know, this is what I want to do. I've been waiting for that perfect situation to happen. But then also it's one thing when you think you have a really great situation and then it goes left. When it came to dating so far as a single mom, how's that, like, what's that experience been like? Did it take you a while to feel, you know, comfortable after the divorce? Because I'm assuming even with all the working out and digging deep and all of that, like you said, it was terrifying because it's not what you had planned. Um, Going from that to being able to trust someone again, what was that experience like? Sure. So, yeah, it was about um, it was almost a year before I started dating again. Um, and I don't know. I think for me, it had the opposite effect as mm. it usually has on people. Like for me, like trusting someone wasn't an issue. It was like, Psh, what are you going to do? Leave me two, after, two months after my brother died? Like, <laughs> like I'm not scared. Like, what are, you what can't you beat possibly, that. Yeah. It's like, what could you possibly do to me? Like, <laughs> so it was just like, I just like, I'm not. And it was mostly losing my brother because that was my biggest fear in the universe. Um, it's like after that, it's just like I'm not afraid of stuff anymore. Like when you have to go through your worst fear, I think sometimes that's it. I'm just now it's like almost anything that happened. It's like I might have dread like, wow, this is going to suck. But I'm right. not uh, I don't experience fear in the same way like yeah primal fear if there was a lion in front of me i would go into fight or flight mode but like the psychological fear humans face when they're like what if this happens what if that happens oh no this this might happen or this is going to happen i'm just sort of like all right this this is what it's gonna be let's bring it on let's get it over with (laughs) like it's just a, a very different way of being so yeah fear of getting hurt i'm just like whatever like i don't (laughs) totally not worried about it um I think what I was worried about I'm like no one no one's gonna be interested in me right um you know like I have stretch marks now I'm you know 10 years older than the last time I dated um that ended up not being true at all um (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. Oh, do tell. Look at th- that was a little sneaky little laugh there you had there, Nicole. <laughs> I can't wait just... to ask you about these dating experiences. You're like not true at all. because <laughs> like, well, I, I, I wasn't I wasn't expecting to have um, interesting options. I really right. thought I was going to be completely undesirable. And mm. I mean, I've I had a I've had a blast dating, honestly. Um, you know, I do hope to find that special someone. And I'm at a point where it would be great for it to happen sooner rather than later. But I, I can't complain about the majority of my dating experiences. I mean, like, yeah, you have um, that, you know, you you get ghosted, but like, I don't know you. Why do I care? <laughs> um, one time I was ghosted after six months of hanging out with someone consistently. Oh, wow. Um, that was that was surprising. But even so, it was like, huh, well, that tells me everything I need to know. Oh, and look, we got to skip over the awkward breakup moment. Okay. Um, you know, so um, I think six months, yeah. that's a long time. To it's just like, like to ghost, ghost. Right? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, like, you, you have people who act like jerks at times. And it's again, it's just sort of like, hmm, okay, well, Thank you for showing me what I needed to know not to waste any time with you. True. I'll move on to the next one. So I don't, I think one of the things that, um, that we do to ourselves in a lot of cases is to get really attached to our hope for the outcome, mm. right? So you meet this person online and you chat with them not even like a video chat nothing right you you text them and based on a few things they say you form this image in your head of who they are what they're gonna be like all this stuff and of course the image in your head is what you hope is real forgetting the fact that everyone has a dark side right right? (laughs) and and then and then you know when based on whatever they say you like have this vision in your head of your future or Maybe you're thinking this is going to be the relief I've been wanting for a long time from loneliness or whatever. And so you create this story in your head. So you really don't care about that person ghosting you. You care about the fact that this future you had just planned out in your mind isn't going to happen. Yes. (laughs) Preach, Nicole. Preach. (laughs) I wish I I don't need it anymore because now I have Desi. But man, where were you in my in my network? (laughs) I love that that perspective. It's so true. It's like, did you fall for that person or did you fall for the person you thought they were based on the 2% you knew of them, right? <laughs> so like, and, and maybe, maybe this has held me back. I don't know. But my mentality is like, until we've been seeing each other consistently, and I don't set a rule about it, but for me, it usually has been seeing someone, you know, on a regular basis, talking a lot, you know, texting a lot. For like four months or so. Okay. Like around there is when it usually, I feel like I know someone enough to decide, huh, of all the people in the world, I think you could be my person. And I'm, you know, I have enough confidence in that now to Mm -hmm. actually like invest, invest in committing, you know, in a relationship. Before that, it's sort of like, you know, and I've had the guys who like want to be exclusive after like two, three weeks. Like I'm a single mom. How many times do you think I've seen them in a three week period? Maybe twice. Right. And they want to be exclusive. And it's like, it's like, what do you want me to do? Like, hey, this is my boyfriend. Wait, what's your middle name again? I totally <laughs> forgot. Like, hey, hey, meet my significant other who I don't really know. But yeah, I'm just gonna be hopeful. Like, I like for me, I 
I need to connect with someone on that deeper level. Right. And it takes some time. So yeah, I think like, I don't even get my hopes up too much in that direction. Mm-hmm. Not because I'm being jaded or a skeptic. It's just, I'm still like, huh, I just met this really great guy and I can't wait to get to know him more. Like that's the stage I'm at for like the first two months. (laughs) I mean, I think this also comes with wisdom with getting older, right? I don't know. I mean, were you this, uh, I don't know, clear about dating like 20 years, you know, 10 years ago? You know, oddly, even when I met uh, my son's father, my ex-husband, I was... I kind of had this idea that you needed to like get to know someone, spend time together. Like it was actually kind of weird with us because we hit it off so like so quickly. Um, he accidentally moved in with me before we were officially a couple. <laughs> so like accidentally, like, wait, accidentally you have a bag just that happens to be packed in your trunk. And you're so, like, oh, I get <laughs> I live here. In the process of moving from Florida, and he was like bouncing between family in Pennsylvania and like Queens, New York. Yeah. Um, kind of like job searching and seeing like where he was gonna end up like finding a job and getting an apartment. Um, but he was mainly looking in New York. And I'm like, well, you know, from what he said, like being at his dad's wasn't a great situation. And, you know, his family was a couple hours away in Pennsylvania. I was like, you know, we were just, we want, we were just inseparable from the beginning. And I was like, you know, like if you're looking for a job in New York, why don't you just like bring some stuff and like stay here for a few days and you can just knock it out pretty quickly. And then it was sort of like, Oh, why don't you just stay another couple of days? You didn't find anything. No, no problem. You know? <laughs> um, and then what we didn't know, this was, um, this was summer 2008. And if anyone remembers, um, Lehman brothers went under, we didn't know oh, what yeah. that meant. <laughs> So two months later, it was like of job searching and looking for an apartment. It was like, are we living together? I think we might be living together. So I mean, you're my boyfriend. Maybe we're a couple now. It was just really weird how it happened. And I thought, you know, I saw that as a sign, um, which maybe I shouldn't. <laughs> but well, it got you your beautiful son. It got your beautiful son now. But do you have, when you're dating now, do you have like deal breakers or how do you bring about the conversation that you are a mom? Um, right away. Yeah. I'm not shy about it. It's more like, I mean, I, I try to hint at it in my dating profile, at least like include one picture of me and my son, um, where people can kind of like, if it matters to them, that'll be like their red flag where they can ask me like, is that your son? And then if I answer yes and they ghost me, well, there we go. Um, But I try to deal with that as early on as possible because I honestly, I don't even want anyone swiping right on me if they're, if me having a kid is going to be a deal breaker. Of course. Yeah, of course. But like, so when, so that is a good way I ask because some people are really, they're not shy about saying that they're a mom they're very protective about the fact of telling them because they don't know if th- someone has the this like mom fetish or you know or you think I don't know. There's all these different different oh, yeah. reasons there's tons that of people are a little fetish. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know what? That's that's okay. Like as long as as long as someone can be upfront about it, right. and then I can decide: Do I want to engage with that, or do I not? You know, like in general, I think, um, you know, like I I feel very strongly about being sex positive, and by sex positive, I mean respecting all sexual desires, which can also mean abstinence right. or asexuality. So literally whatever anyone is like, Hey, this is what I want. This is my preference for whatever reason in the world. It's what I've decided. I'm like, go you good for you. I fully support that. Um, and so if someone can be open about like, like, yeah, like milf fetish, you're hot. <laughs> this is what I'm looking for. Or someone can have a milf fetish and be looking for a serious relationship. Those aren't oh. like mutually exclusive. Right. You know, like everyone has like, you know, whatever they're into, like everyone has different things. And so I, I think as long as it's like on the surface, um, right. what bothers me is what bothers me is the person who's like, yeah, I just really want a wife and a kids and family when really that's not what they want. Like right. that, that to me is disgusting. And I think there are, some places where I've found that there's more of that than others. And I stay far away from those places. <laughs> yeah. That drives me crazy of saying one thing. And then as time goes on, you don't really want any of those things. Or as soon as you realize that you didn't want that, you should have just said so. And like, that's fine. You, your mind changed, but to stay mm -hmm. and, you know, think that maybe your opinion's going to change over time, just kind of stringing someone along is like, that drives me absolutely mad. Absolutely. Yeah. And then there's also just people who think that, well, you know, if I say, and this is mostly, this mostly comes with, with men who are pursuing women. Well, if I say that I just want no strings attached, no woman's going to actually say yes to that, to that. So I'm going to say that I want this, or they were raised and they've internalized that if that's what I want, I'm a horrible person. So I'm going to be in denial about what I want and say that I want this. And instead, I'm going to have a string of casual one night stands thinking that, oh, it wasn't my fault. They ended up not being my wife. And like, that's where I, I can have a little bit more sympathy for the second one, because we right. all have our shadows that are in our blind spots. Mm -hmm. The first one where it's intentionally manipulative, like I, I, I really don't have patience for that. <laughs> yeah, no, I get that. Um, I was thinking when you were saying that is, you know, if I was dating with a child, I feel like it would be a while before I introduce the person to my kid. It depends. It depends on how I feel about them. Or mm -hmm. if you, I feel like if I was dig digging, digging them, I can't speak today, digging them, I think I'd go, mm -hmm. All right, let's get this out of the way because if my son doesn't like you, you're gone. Or my kid doesn't like you, you're gone. Is that how you, I feel like that's probably what you do. Yeah, so first, um, the whole idea of like not introducing someone to my kid, just, and I'm not saying like knocking what anyone else thinks, just intuitively to me doesn't make any sense because like I understand introducing someone as like, this is mommy's boyfriend. This might be your new right. stepdaddy. Like that's another thing, but to just be like, Hey, this is Carl. <laughs> like I introduced my coworkers, my neighbors, random person I ran into on the street. Everyone meets my son, my right. son. If he were here, he would be popping into this meeting and saying hi to you. You know that very well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So my son meets everybody. So why am I going to be like, no, you have cooties stay away. You are not coming anywhere near my child. Like, 
no, that makes like, like I I am very happy to bring someone around as a friend, right? You're not right. going to act like my boyfriend, no, no signs of, you know, affection. That would be more than I'd show with a friend, right? I'm happy to bring someone around as a friend. And I'm conscious about bringing someone around so often that my son gets attached if I don't know they're going to be there in the long term. So again, how often would my son be exposed to another random connection, a new acquaintance I met in the neighborhood or a friend or, you know, coworker, whatever. Um, and then, yes, if I am digging someone, <laughs> the first thing <laughs> I want to know before I decide, I yes, I want to put energy into this or I want to pursue this, I want to see how they interact with my son. Yeah. I literally cannot even decide, like, do I want to consider this someone, this person seriously until I see how they interact with my son and my son is like super friendly he's instant best friends with everybody so i honestly consider it a red flag if he's not instantly besties with this person right like that's i was thinking with him just just in the small interactions i've had with him and just seeing your connection i would think he would be able to pick up quickly on someone that or be very honest about someone he didn't like and you'd see that as a as that red flag saves you a lot of time <laughs> yeah if he's like distant from someone or like yeah. shuts down or wants to be somewhere else like usually he wants like i'm here give me attention hello new person i'm eric hi i'm eric what's your name like that's <laughs> him and so if he's like staying quiet hiding behind me going into the other room like that's that's my answer right there yeah do you have um is there a community that you have outside of the podcast just for yourself of other moms now that are single or like, what's your community like that helps you um, like your village around Eric and yourself? Yeah. So um, I, I do have a Facebook community called single moms thriving. I moderate that along with Nicole Bannister, who is amazing um, she was a single mom for like 10 years working the overnight shift as a nurse with like three, it was crazy. Wow. So anyway, um, she's, she's amazing. Um, and so we have that community and it's been really helpful for me to have single moms in my life who get it. Um, because as supportive and helpful, everyone else is to the best of their ability. It's just different when someone's gone through it and understands. Um, And then there are also some other Facebook groups I'm a part of. Um, One of them, definitely not for everyone. They can be a raunchy group. Um, But (laughs) if that's, you know, if you're looking for people who are um, kind of in a more positive place about, you know, being divorced with kids, the group divorced single and loving it. They're, they're, they're a fun, interesting crowd. Um, not for everybody. (laughs) Yeah. And then, um, land of the lone parent is another Facebook group that, uh, was started by a, a group that, um, I'm a part of, um, it's called the single parent movement. And it's professionals with different areas of expertise and single parents who are just passionate about the cause. Um, And we're 
Um, you know, we do things like we're writing a single parent handbook. We um, put on single parent summits. The next one's in January, um, starting a podcast. Um, and so, and so that group land of the lone parent, it revolves around like practical tips and practical solutions, as opposed to, we have enough motivational memes out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's great. Um, when you think of the future in terms of you, what your family looks like, I know that you're hoping to expand um, your family yeah. as we speak. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about that process? Because I think it's really great to hear because you often hear about single parents or I have people in my network, in my community that are single moms by choice, like I told you, or divorced. Um, and they are going through IVF with, in your case, you're building your family a little differently. Can you tell us? Yeah. So um, similar to those situations, it was, you know, I want another child. Um, I don't want my kids to be 15 years apart. Um, I didn't even want them to be eight or 10 years apart, but that's what we're looking at now. Yeah. Um, the idea of starting over when I had already gotten through like halfway of the childcare years. I'm like, Oh God, what am I doing to myself? You know? <laughs> and so, and I, and I want my son and the, the new child to grow up as siblings as opposed to like having more of a parent child kind of relationship. Right. Um, and so it's, it's always been really important to me, especially, you know, I feel like I wouldn't be honoring my brother if, you know, he was the per closest person to me. If I then like go and like raise my son as a single child, you know, mm. I want to give him that experience and that, you know, bond that I cherish so much in my own life. And thankfully he has a brother on his dad's side, um, a two-year-old. Oh. But he's always wanted, he's always said consistently when people asked him that he wants a baby sister. <laughs> and there's one way that I can guarantee a baby sister while not risking the rough pregnancy I had the first time and the birth that ended up causing injuries that I'm still dealing with today. Um, pregnancy and childbirth just didn't go well for me. Mm. And so I've decided that I really want to go the adoption route. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm so excited. I'm so, so excited for you. What, what has that process been like? Oh, I've barely started. I've been pro procrastinating because it's terrifying. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things that it's like, I know I have to do it because it's so important to me, but mm. it's also, it's terrifying to think about, you know, starting over as a single mom by myself while I still have another child to care for. Um, I won't have a co-parent, you know, which yes, in some ways that makes things simpler and easier, but I'm not going to, you know, have the, you know, say the, the weekends and stuff like that, you know, that having a co-parent provides. Um, I think part of what makes me confident is knowing having so many single parents in my network of single moms who have absent, you know, co-parents. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, oh, okay, I know it, I know it can be done. I know amazing inspirational people who do it every day. Um, you know, and when Eric was younger, there was a stretch of time where like his dad would see him, but couldn't take him. So I'm the 24 seven thing. I remember what that was like. And I'm like, do I want to do that to myself again? But, um, 
I found this wonderful organization called Pear Tree, and it's sort of like dating apps for adoptive families and birth moms. Oh. And you put a profile up, and um, it you can pair, and you know they help with the home visit, like the home inspection process, and all of that. They help to streamline it and make it as user friendly as possible. I had a call with the founder. She is incredible. I just felt so at ease after talking mm. to her. And, you know, all the other options just seemed like more than I could handle. I mean, with private adoption, traditionally, you're looking at apparently like $50,000. Yeah. I'm like, wait, what? I'm like, you know what? For $50,000, I'll risk the crappy pregnancy <laughs> and birth, you know? And then... um you know, for, uh, I mean, just think about what that would do to my life to like start, like, not only am I doing it by myself financially, but now I have 50, have to come up with $50,000 take out another mortgage or whatever. Yeah. I'm just like, no, that would just put me over the edge. Um, and then the other route, like foster to adopt the revolving door just felt unbearable to me at this stage, you know, like, not knowing if I if it would be a child that I could you know welcome into my family in the long term with my son he gets attached to people easily mm. like hmm I like that didn't feel right and so this this brings the cost down to about fifteen thousand dollars wow that's my, a big difference right wow <laughs> my employer <laughs> covers ten thousand dollars of it. So I only have to come up with $5,000. So wow, Nicole, um, that's amazing. Yeah. And so I'm going to, I'm, I'm starting that process. They're going to bring their um, home home. I think it's called the home study, the home study process to New York state in March. So I'm working mm -hmm. on getting my application done by then. So I can be one of the first families who, um, who kind of, does it in New York and fingers crossed we'll see what happens <laughs> I'm gonna be literally thinking of you and sending prayers and positive vibes and everything above that that works out for you because he's Thank such you. a cute kid and he would Aww. be an amazing big brother and like yeah. the fact that you could ensure a sister <laughs> in that situation is really mm -hmm. really great he'd be great with a girl too Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm really excited slash terrified. <laughs> well, yeah. And then you have, do you have a big birthday coming up or did you just have? I, I, I do. I'm about to be 37 on Friday. Right. So not like a super significant birthday. Um, but yes, I'll be 37 on Friday. Yeah. And, you know, I think too is, you know, I'm sure I, on top of not wanting to have that big age gap, you are getting into a space. If you had a difficult pregnancy the first time, it doesn't guarantee that it would be hard the second time, but also you're a little older than when you had him before. And that was difficult. Um, and you're still dealing with injuries. You said. Yeah. I had an, an injury that hadn't quite healed when I got pregnant. And oh, wow. um, the most, the very much the most likely scenario because the, the internal muscle that got injured is directly inside that injury. So it seems like that injury affected how my pregnancy kind of expanded. And then when I was giving birth, 
um, a tiny little pelvic floor muscle got damaged. And your pelvic floor is a very important part of your kinetic chain, which is like how your muscles work together to deliver force through your body, right? So when you run, it's not like it just hits your feet. The force travels all the way up. When you do anything, if you push open a door, it's not just your arm. Like if you were to do that in space, you'd fly backwards, right? You're bracing yourself against the floor. So um, all of that stuff, um, like your pelvic floor is a big part of like your kinetic chain and your core. And um, it's involved in breathing, spine stability. Like, so pretty much and they didn't find it for nine years despite me constantly seeking treatment and telling them the whole story and i like every like looking back when i found out i was i gave them every single red flag that should have pointed them right to this and it took nine years for a doctor who i am eternally grateful for to figure it out nicole um, what's scary is that you know your body like no one you know what i mean you, you have all of this knowledge and this training to know that something wasn't wrong wasn't right with you and it took nine years for yeah. for others to find it to exactly. find what it so was I, the source i knew all the things to tell them right like i right. told them i feel like chain is different on my right side than my left side you know i told them about the original injury it snowballed during pregnancy and then eventually it went all the way up to overuse injuries in my neck and knee and like i go and they'd be like huh your your neck is bothering you okay we're gonna do some exercises for your shoulders and neck and i'm like what about all the rest of it and the problem is that you know this is a woman's health issue and that's just not a priority in our society Mm -hmm. and so even physical therapists aren't well versed in this even physical therapists who i i gave all the red flags didn't didn't say like you know what let we need to get your pelvic floor evaluated so it took this sports medicine doctor who is incredible to figure out the issue get me into a pelvic floor specialist which by the way that's not a specialty that's super common so it's out of network and i pay like 150 dollars out of pocket per session so that's fun. Um, <laughs> but yeah, women's health, guys. Um, oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, crazy. But so, yeah, overuse injuries from my knee to my neck. And we have to retrain my muscles how to work together. And it's been a long process. You know, I had to stop working out, which from what we've talked about, you can imagine what that means to me. I had to stop working out a year and a half ago. And I just started being able to add in light workouts. Mm-hmm. I was trying for months and I kept having to stop because of flare-ups and then finally now for the past like three four weeks I've been able to do two 20-minute granny jogs a week and a little bit of core work can't can't do push-ups can't do anything upper body can't even like hold a weight to do lower body strength workouts um because my neck keeps flaring up but at least I can do my granny jogs and I'm so out of shape after not working out for that long that I actually get the endorphins from it. <laughs> from the granny jog? That's impressive. From the oh. granny jog. <laughs> well, you look yeah. fantastic. I mean, I'm sorry that you're having that pain, but it just goes to show you these things add up. I mean, even with a partner and if you had all these things happening, it's hard, but to do it, you know, by yourself is it's just, if it's it, it literally, uh, impairing you from 
doing your day-to-day stuff and the very thing that keeps you motivated and going like those endorphins that you said I'm sure they're helpful but you that's a very big part of your life working out that's really difficult Mm -hmm. to do like do you when it comes to Eric like do you have babysitters like what's your day-to-day like as a as a single mom you have business you have you work from home you've got all this stuff how are you managing all of that yeah so the the short answer is i don't Um, part of being a mom is just realizing some stuff isn't going to get done and you'll have to choose what that is at any given time i mean motherhood in general um especially when you become a single parent everyone's like how do you do it all i'm like i don't i don't i have a pile of laundry over there um i my dinner is halfway eaten (laughs) (laughs) you know just like like i don't do it all that's it um but as far as like functioning getting the important stuff done where i can actually live a fulfilling life you know um like i have a career that i enjoy where i earn enough money that i have financial stability and also luxuries that make a difference like now i can hire a cleaning service once a month to clean my home which relieves some pressure and you know like all that stuff like how i how i make that happen um versus by knowing what cannot get done (laughs) that's i think number one skill but also in my situation, every every situation is different. In my situation, I have an active co-parent. And so I cluster things like, you know, this is happening while my son is with his father. Um, he has him every other weekend and Tuesdays and Thursdays after school. Um, so for, for me, that's a, a big part of like when I get stuff done that I can't do with him, like, you know, gynecologist visits, you know, yeah. those can be complicated when you're a single mom if you don't have someone to watch the kids. Yeah. Um, other, like, as far as when I fit in like workouts and stuff. So my granny jog happened this morning after I dropped him off, um, at school and before I started work. And like you said, I'm working from home. So that's, uh, an advantage I have. I wasn't always working from home. It took a lot for me to get to the point that I could get a work from home job that could actually support us. Cooking, I do that often while I'm working too. Like I can have the laptop right there and throw something together quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, And by like cooking is super simple for me, like super simple. And people can find all of this wisdom and this amazing energy in the following places. So I have a list of places where you can find Nicole. Let me let me get my notes. Okay, so here we go. Tell me if I'm wrong. On Facebook and IG, it is at Super Busy Mommy Coach. Yes? Yes. Mm-hmm. And the single parent movement, which she talked about, is also on Facebook. So that's Single Moms Thriving and Land of the Lone Parent Facebook groups. Those are both two groups that you're that you're also a creator, co-creator of, correct? Mm-hmm. That's yes. fantastic. And then, of course, I don't have any info on the um, the podcast. Can you tell them where to find you? The podcast, you can find it at superbusymommycoach.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts. It's called Badass Moms, Getting Your Life Back Fit, Healthy, and Balanced. Mm. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, the pleasure is mine. Thank you so much for having me. And yes, check out the podcast so that you can hear more from Victoria, who is on my podcast. And if you subscribe, you can be notified when Victoria's episode is published. Boom. There you go. (laughs) 
What a fun conversation with Nicole, right? She's just so down to earth. I really enjoyed talking to her. I hope you did too. It's really important to find the balance, even if it takes you just one minute a day. Start off the day doing something that energizes you, gets you out of bed, and that you can go to whenever you're feeling a little lack of energy or misdirection for your day. I love that. Next week, we have another great guest. So please follow New Mommy at 40 on Instagram and Facebook, and also go to the website so that you don't miss a thing. And we'll see you next week. Take care of yourself and each other.